With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon, wherever you are listening. It was a disappointing final in Gdansk on Wednesday night, with the Reds coming up short on penalties at the end. But ultimately, it's our own fault for not getting the job done in 90 or 120 minutes. You look back at the penalty shootout, only De Gea missed his. In terms of taking penalties, there's, there's not much you can really complain about. I thought both goalkeepers were desperate. I don't think the penalty shootout was as good good or as, as big as people make it out to be, I thought both goalkeepers were really, really poor. Not just De Gea. We'll get on to that shortly. Of course, De Gea is a big talking point from the game. There's a lot of people looking at the match from the hindsight, magnifying glass and being able to look at different things and how they would change it. But ultimately, I thought the starting eleven was right. Our game plan wasn't, of course. Tactically, I think Villarreal got the better of us, but they didn't play particularly well either. Let's not pretend Villarreal were anything special. They notified Manchester United and they won the match without playing particularly well. Looking back at the performance, there were only two players I think played well for United. Scott McTominay and Edison Cavani. But where were the rest? Bruno Fernandes was reduced to tears after the game because all he has spoken about since joining United is about winning trophies. You know, he was completely marked out of the game, couldn't offer anything really. It was really, really disappointing. You know, these are the players that you, you look to when you're in these games, these big matches, the, the finals, and the games that are going to take you into a title race and maybe bring you a Premier League glory. These players need to start standing up. Bruno Fernandes isn't a young player. He's come in as kind of this type of catalyst. And tactically, he was 
he was kind of pushed out of the game on Wednesday night. But Solskjaer needs to go to go, look at this whole team and find ways to make it more potent going forward. Because what I was talking, I was confident going into this Europa League final. You listen to the last podcast, I wasn't frightened the Villarreal. Um, I was kind of with 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 the way United had finished the Premier League season and kind of slogging it. I felt that if we were going to lose the Europa League final, it was going to be our fault. We weren't going to be beaten by a better team. We weren't going to be shown how to play by Villarreal, who finished seventh in the league. That was never going to happen. We lost the game. Um, we lost the game in 1920 minutes by not getting the job done. And when we got that equaliser, you really thought that United would have pushed on, you know. But they didn't. They, they, they just weren't. There wasn't enough bite there. Just wasn't enough. We told you before the game that De Gea would be getting the start. He was getting the nod. There was a lot of talk before the match about that. But that decision was final. And it honestly strikes me as a witch hunt. And I'll air my views on, 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 on Solskjaer shortly. But it strikes me as a witch hunt that people are kind of using De Gea in hindsight. And why didn't he change it up? Why didn't he bring Henderson on? You know, you've only ever seen one manager do that, really. Louis van Gaal, in an international tournament. Very, very different. Very different. You don't see clubs man- club managers doing that because the big difference is there's a sense of loyalty in a squad and a manager at club level that you don't get at international because you just an international duty or tournament, you just go and you, you get the job done. You try and go as far as you can. You don't really take into consideration the, the feelings of players and and long-term aspects, which have to be taken into account when you're at club level. And if you think Solskjaer, right, he, he named David De Gea as a starting goalkeeper, which I'm sure would have pissed Dean Henderson off. I, I would read into some of the stories that Dean Henderson's probably likely to leave in the summer. You know, he by not starting that Europa League final and, and the last league game of the season, I think... The writings on the wall that the manager doesn't really trust Dean Henderson. And I think, and I've said it as well, I don't think he trusts the hay either. So it's far from ideal this situation. Um, I'm not defending any other any of the goalkeepers because I've seen both this season and I've said it before, I don't think either has stood out. I don't think either goalkeeper has given the manager a situation that he can go into next season and confidently say, I trust my goalkeeper. At the moment... And looking back at the season as an overall, he can't say that about his goalkeepers. He can't say that about his defence. He can't say that about his midfield. And I think only now, with Cavani, we're able to say that about a front three. And I still need a little bit of work. So this team and what Solskjaer is building, it's far from finished. Whether he would get the time to complete it is completely different. But I don't think people are calling for his head right now. I don't think that over the summer that he'll be, he'll be sacked. No, we, got, we did okay this year. Let's not forget the season we have. We finished second. It's an improvement. Four points or so above last season's champions. It's a step in the right direction. But there's not many more steps in the right direction Soldier can take without winning a trophy. And the Europa League was such an opportunity to do that. We pissed it away. Like we pissed away previous semi-finals in different competitions. You know, this team, it seems to to get so far and then there's a hurdle where it falls. And that Europa League final is the epitome of that because it's a game in which you would have expected, especially on paper, 
Manchester United should be beating them, no problem. But like Arsenal struggled to do, we couldn't break them down. And you look at our attacking players and you look at our players that maybe didn't perform, um, it's disappointing. Just to, to, to dive more into the, the David De Gea thing, because I think it's a really big, big issue. We're all talking about who Manchester United are going to be approaching or trying to sign this summer and the weak areas of the team. And I'm just I'm just nodding to myself thinking that in a year a year's time down the line, we're probably still going to be talking about goalkeepers. It's obviously we mentioned last week Heaton could be returning to the club, but but look back to the, the final and that's what we're here to talk about is if you, if, if you would blame De Gea for missing his penalty against Villarreal, and he's a goalkeeper after all, there's no guarantees with Henderson either. You know if he if the soldier brought him on. Before the end of extra time, you know, people saying it would have made a difference. You know, people know penalties can be a bit of a lottery at times, and it doesn't quite work out that way. I will say one thing about De Gea's attempts at stopping penalties: I thought his 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 whole body technique. I had no confidence that he's going to stop any penalty uh, that night. No confidence whatsoever. Even the penalties that Villarreal were sending to the roof of the net. He seemed to have been diving early for and going low. There just seems to be no 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 hope. There was no hope, unfortunately. And with that, you need to look into De Gea's record, of course, with, with penalties. He's He conceded as 11 penalties in the final on Wednesday night. Every single penalty that was taken, the shootout. And he hasn't saved a penalty since back in 2016 when he denied Lukaku in the FA Cup semi-final. You know, since then, De Gea has conceded 25 consecutive penalties for club and country. It's it's not been a strong point throughout his career. You know, and it's really disappointing as, as a player that has taken us out of such dire situations in the past. You know, when, we've, when the team has been playing poorly, De Gea has been a goalkeeper that's been able to, to stick, his, stick to his performances. But in the last two to three years, he's been in decline. Definitely in decline. He was picked ahead of Henderson on Wednesday night. I think that's a big that that's writing on the walls. You know, this is a goalkeeper in decline being picked over a young promising goalkeeper. Dean Henderson's not gonna stay around. No, no way. He's gonna he wanna be first choice next season and the the, the signs certainly aren't there. Now get get in touch with the podcast. Let us know who you think will be number one next season. Meanwhile, the Sun suggests United's hierarchies are considering including De Gea as part of a deal to bring in Atletico Madrid's Jan Oblak. For months now, both Henderson and, and De Gea have been rotated in between the sticks. The manager clearly struggling to settle on either goalkeeper. Having just claimed the league a title, Oblak you know, he's seen as one of the best goalkeepers in the world. His stock will continue to rise. He's valued at a reported seventy million, which could be reduced significantly if if the hair was thrown on top of that. But but more on we have it. We certainly don't have any information on that. That's come from the sun. It's just hard to imagine Solskjaer sat down right now and planning out targets for a new goalkeeper when <laughs> we really need a centre back. Really need a defensive midfield. A number six is needed, okay? Let's get on to that for a little bit. Because number six is desperately needed. We're playing with two number eights in midfield pretty much all season. I know people have complained about it. But I think it's because there's no other options there. 
And people also complain about the manager not making any changes. Uh, and they're right to do so, you know. I think he, he set up the right the right start in eleven. I think looking at the personnel, we had the team to beat Villarreal. I was very happy with the fact that he dropped Fred and went for an attacking kind of midfield. Um, that was all welcome. But, but, but when the match went on and you've seen Villarreal making changes in the second half and a change, change in their shape to, to get at United and to notify him, I don't think the same level of work was done on United's half to change things up, to have a different way of going at Villarreal when they were very difficult to break down. And you look at the bench and you look at the starting lineup, and I think maybe, just maybe, Solskjaer shot himself in the foot with a starting lineup because he didn't have a player to call upon on the bench. And when you look back at this season as an overall in games in which United have come back in the second half when we've needed goals, it was very often the case that we called on Mason Greenwood from the bench, especially in the first half of the season. And and he, he had played his way into the into the team for the final. He deserved his place without any questions. No questions about that. But the squad itself isn't good enough. And we've I think we've seen this in Europe throughout the season. You know, there's times in the Champions League in the group stages against Leipzig that fans thought that Solskjaer was taking too long to make substitutions. Yeah. Definitely. And if he's modelling his work, which he always talks about, if he's modelling his work on Stralix Ferguson, well, he's a manager who made big substitutions in Europe. You know, big substitutions. Solskjaer probably wouldn't be as big of a part of Manchester United's history if Alex Ferguson didn't sub him on at the new camp. So... Is it a matter of not having a squad good enough? Will Solskjaer go to the, the owners in the summer and say, I need three to four, three plus starting players to come into this squad and, and, and have a real go next season? I don't think, in terms of personnel and squad, we're far off. But I, I, I'm not going to lie, because games like that in the Europa League, when you see a tactical battle like that and you come out second best, they do make you think a little bit. And Soldier has a lot of work to do this season. I know there's a question on Soldier. Sorry about the phone not being on silent. I know there's a question on Soldier at the end, so I, I will wait till I get on to that. But moving on, um, Scott McTominay, you know, he really stepped up to the occasion. I'm sure it was a painful trip back from Poland after losing the Europa League final. But most of the team, most of the team underperformed. There's no getting away from that. I'm sure Soldier is disappointed in a few he thought he could trust. One player who did stand up was Scott McTominay. He was outstanding. Played a key role in United's goal, which was scored by Edison Cavani, who was the only really other standout performer for me on the night. McTominay won a corner leading to United's equalising goal with a forceful bit of play in the Villarreal penalty area. He then fired a shot through a crowded area from the corner, which Cavani turned in. One of the main parts of McTominay's performance against Villarreal that stood out for me was how he was like a, a driving force in midfield. And from speaking to Villarreal fans who were in the stadium, um, I know he was one of the players that impressed them too, that they were talking about after the game. Um, sadly for McTominay though, his teammates didn't share the same level of energy 
or willingness to compete. You know, he was a warrior from start to finish. And fortunately, some players just lack that lack that a key ingredient for games like this. He's a leader, and a, a, and we could do with more players like him. Soldier told the club website Scott McTominay was absolutely outstanding out there. He was for me the best player on the pitch. You know, it's a close one for me. I I thought Cavani was tremendous. I thought Cavani was out of this world for a thirty-four year old. He did not stop running up and down the pitch, helping the midfield out, getting back, helping the defense. You know, wherever wherever Anthony Martial was. Wherever he is now, I hope he's watching highlights of Cavani and his work rate. And that's what a centre-forward does. Centre-forward's job is not just to score goals. It's to work hard for his team and to contribute to the overall job of that, what that team is trying to do. And Cavani does that. It leads by example. You know, there was talk before the game, could Martial be fit? Would you really drop Cavani for Martial? Probably looking back on the performance the other night. Probably drop Rashford. Rashford was appalling. And we talked about Bruno Fernandes. Rashford too was a real letdown. And these that's another player that when you get into these big important games, the exciting games that give you little pains in your belly before kickoff. That's the likes of Rashford that you do depend on. That you, well, you want to depend on. And look, he's not had a he's not had a good end to the season. I I think the stats that that he's racked up over twenty goals throughout the campaign is really impressive. But from a performance point of view this season, I don't think he's been really at it. I think there's been a lot of problems with injuries. There's a shoulder ongoing problem with his shoulder, which which worries me because I initially heard about Rashford's shoulder injury in March. Uh, and, and and I was told that he would require surgery or an operation of some sort to, to amend the fix. And Rashford's plans were to leave it till after the European Championships. That doesn't spell good news for Manchester United coming into the start next season. And it'll be interesting to hear if he'll miss a game or two or maybe even worse more um, if he does get that operation after the European Championships this summer. Quite frankly, if he needed it in March, should have had it in March. You know, but that's that, that. That these are all things a soldier needs to address now. Going into these big games, are the big players going to start to stand up? If not, do those big players? They need, they need something. They need a wake up call because. But the the annoying thing is they come out after the games and Rashford gave a give a reasonably good interview, but I wasn't really interested in what he had to say. I wasn't interested in any of the players had to say because sick of words i'm sick of listening and explanations about why we didn't do this and why we feel so down that we didn't achieve this feat actions speak louder than words soldier came into manchester united job by the way after Mourinho, and his tone of voice then was was a little bit different to now he was always on about the ethos of manchester united and what it takes to be a manchester united team and the important thing that he always spoke about when he first came into the job was the importance of winning and what was successful for a, for a club of Manchester United size. I think what Paul Scholes said on BT Sport after the final was nail on the head. And it is a worry that there's complacency 
Um, it, it's almost accepted to fall at the final hurdle because there's this kind of belief that we'll go on to the next, we'll go on to the next hurdle and we'll make sure we fix it. But we don't end up fixing it. We're back to the same page again of failed semi-finals. Now, a failed final is worse. That, it, that this really hurts. Really hurts. And there's no one, there's no one calling for, for the manager's head. Let's not be ridiculous. Let's not let's weigh everything up here and see: Have we come forward? Yes. Sixty-one games this season. A lot of games to play. There's been massive amounts of fixture congestion too, which is has been difficult on all teams. Okay, you look at Liverpool winning the title. Look at the way they defended it, and I don't see fans of theirs calling for Jurgen Klopp's head. I look at you know other teams up and down the league. No one has reacted well to this crazy season, bar Man City. And you could look throughout Europe, beyond England, and see this. Look at the state of Barcelona this season. The state of Real Madrid this season. The state of La Liga this season. It didn't look like anyone wanted to win it. You know, so I think it's been a difficult, really difficult season. I t- and, I, and I do think Manchester and I have coped well. Given everything that's been thrown at them. Not brilliantly. Because I wanted a trophy this season, I didn't get. We didn't get that, so I think a lot of heartbreak from from that Europa League final. It, to me, it's worse than any of the semi final defeats that we suffered. It really is. And over the summer, we'll we'll take our time to to kind of deflect and get over it. But we will, we will. There'll come a time again where we'll be looking forward to to next season and what we can hopefully achieve and to see if the players can push on because. I'm just hoping that a that a preseason makes a difference, and having fans back at Old Trafford makes a difference to our home form, which was let's not forget was desperate this season. On a final note, I'm delighted to hear there's going to be a Jimmy Murphy statue at Old Trafford. As long as it's in a prominent place, we'll be happy because Murphy is, you know, important as important a figure as anyone in the club's history. We've already got some at Busby. A statue of Rags Ferguson and the Holy Trinity. And there has to be a place for Jimmy Murphy for all he did for the football club. And just before we wrap it up, there's a few questions which have been sent in from last week. Well, in, in the wake of the, the final, which I want to get to three questions. So the first one from Jimmy Buckton. And what's next for Soul Sharon? And we kind of wrapped the podcast up on that. So we're going to continue on. And what's next for him? I'll back him. I think... Most fans would back him. I think there's questions that he needs to answer next season. I I don't think he could go much longer at this rate. That it, we really need to start seeing steps or real improvement now. Improvement again next season. He needs to go on to the next step. Because he can't sit idle. Can't sit idle if we're not going to win trophies. It's been four years without a trophy now. That's the. There's only so much of that you can take. And, and, I, and I go back to this with what Solskjaer spoke about when he first became manager of Manchester United, about what was successful. And he'd always kind of nearly hint at what Mourinho, the way he was leading the club, was not, was not a, what the club was about. I totally agree. Well, we're a long-term club. We think about the long-term aspect of things. And I've always been kind of about looking at how Solskjaer is trying to turn this team around. If you look back to when he, when he first came in, and the amount of bad eggs in that dressing room, which he had to clear out. And also, with some of those bad eggs when he was clearing them out, they were sacrifices. 
Sacrifices like getting rid of Lukaku, your main goal scorer, which everyone was critical of. A lot, a lot, not everyone. A lot of people were critical of, and it put it it, it made it made kind of sure the soldier was short up front, but he got on with it, with the long term view of fixing this team, and he because he knows he's not an idiot. That with the Glazers and with the board at the hand, his hands are tied. He can't go into a transfer market like Man City, like Pep Guardiola can, and say the the ultimate objective is to win the league, is to challenge for the Champions League. Solskjaer hasn't got that luxury. He hasn't got that luxury that most top managers at big clubs have. Because Manchester United do not operate like a big football club. It's a, of course, it's a big commercial juggernaut. If the club is serious about competing, we will see it this summer. Finishing second in the league, right? You don't get any closer than that. This summer, they need to make that ground. And look, Solskjaer's going nowhere. So if you're listening to this podcast and you think, yeah, we can get the players in, but we haven't got the right manager, he's going nowhere. The club have no other choice. They have to back him. This summer, we've seen in far. In, I I don't want to repeat. Sorry, I don't want to repeat of what we've seen in Jose Mourinho's last season, because as he went into his summer, he had plans set out to tackle Man City, and the club just didn't do it. They did not back him, and they started the season with him, and it was inevitable. Then, at some stage, it happened in, in December that he'd be fired. So literally, that season was a complete write-off before it started. We don't want that. We want to see the club back the manager like he deserves. He needs a better squad. I think the squad is big. It's big and it hasn't got enough quality. Look, you look at the midfielders that are similar. And similar also knowing that there's not a proper number six with fresh legs. Now you got Nemanja Matic probably leaving the summer. He's the closest thing we have to a defensive midfielder. And he hasn't got the legs anymore. So what's next for Ali? To really answer your question, he'll be continued to be backed by the fans. I just hope the board back him as well. Because it'll be a long season if they don't. It'll be a long season next year if they don't. Dave Cleaver has a the perfect follow-up question. What to be anticipated from the Glazers this summer? <laughs> this is an interesting one because quite a few people have spoken to feel that because of the backlash from the European Super League and and the and the anti-Glazer protests we've seen at Old Trafford in the past month or two, that they will be pushed into to doing something this summer. I'll, I believe it when I see it. Um, they've never used their own money when it comes to spending money on Manchester United. Not that we would ever need our owners to do that, because Manchester United make enough money as it is to to finance what they need in the transfer market. It would be a lot easier if the Glazers weren't taking millions, beyond millions of dividends out every year with all that interest that has to be paid against the debt every year. All that money wasted. Meanwhile, the team sits almost idle, waiting for the, the, the additions that it's craving out for, the, the Jadon Sancho's, Raphael Varane. Top class midfielder. You know, if United are serious, there's there's good players out there. It's like, 
it, it, it seems like at times we were so slow in the transfer market that we just don't know what to do or that we don't have targets. Or What really worries me is that when, when you go for a player like Jaden Sancho and you don't get him, is that you haven't got any backup options on a transfer list. And what's that about? Like, What manager? Seriously, what manager lists out the players that he wants for the, for the summer and in, in that box on the right winger, there's only one option. Jaden Sancho, take it or leave, that's all I want. I don't believe that was the case at Manchester United last summer. I don't believe it, but it feels like that was the case at Manchester United last summer. Like panicking, seeing could they do a deal for, for Dembele at, at Barcelona. And that's not going to happen now. It looks like his future is definitely there at Camp Nou. But these are all players that, you know, that we know of. Who's thinking outside the box at Manchester United? Who can see the gem playing the lower leagues in France that no one else has spotted? Not even just France, but other different leagues. Spain, we have a lot of scouts right now in Spain, working in Spain. And it'd be nice to see United pick up some gems that we, that we don't know. Javier Hernandez, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a 90 million signing. But... I tell you what it needs. The team needs to improve. And that's a fact. If we're going to win the league next season, team needs to drastically improve. We're, because it's not only about having a better team, say, on paper, but to to, de- to kind of to compete with, with, say, Man City's consistency and the size of their squad will take a lot. So we'll see how far we go. There's a lot, lot to happen over this summer in the European Championships as well. And a final question before I wrap up the show from Roy Shanahan. Why do we consistently start slow and then need to come from behind in games? And that Look, that's, that's a big, big problem that comes from, I suppose, the coaching and the way we start games. Or are the players being motivated the right way? Do they need that kick up the backside in the game to kind of say, right, let's go? Definitely something that needs to be addressed next season is going out, regardless of the opposition, and beating them. Giving them a good beating rather than chasing up a game from behind. And we did it for so long and it was working and we had this brilliant record from coming from behind. But then when it mattered in Gdansk, nah, didn't happen. Didn't happen. So look, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Knowing that it was going to be about a Europa League defeat. <laughs> Your weekend's probably going to be as bad enough as it is knowing that City and Chelsea are in the Champions League final. I will be recording episodes throughout the summer on Transfer News whenever we get it. So make sure to check out the blog for news on a daily basis. You'll find that on straightynews.com. Also make sure to subscribe to the Straightcast on all the best podcasting platforms. That includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Acast. Long summer ahead. Have a good one and stay safe. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.